0: Okay, we're going to read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 21 to 26. We're continuing on with our Ordinary to Extraordinary series, and we're focusing on an unusual character who's only mentioned here in the Scriptures, uh, a man named Simon. Sometimes we call him Simon of Cyrene. A certain man from from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on His way in from the country, and they forced Him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered Him wine mixed with myrrh, but He did not take it, and they crucified Him. Dividing up His clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified Him. The written notice of the charge against Him read, The King of the Jews. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, thank you for gathering each of us here this morning. Our journeys all have some similarities, and yet they are unique. They are, they are unique to the road that you've had each of us on. With some, there have been great joys that have led us to this place, or habits. For some, there are moments of brokenness or desperation or pleading for help that has brought us to the place where we've gotten on our knees and we've, we've asked you to break into our lives. We come here for a variety of reasons today. We come to worship and to honor you as the God who created us and the Lord who's given us life and hope and salvation. We've come here to learn and to together explore your word in order that we might gain some greater understanding or a nugget of wisdom that helps us go through life. For some, we've come to meet others and to gather with those who love you believing that when we add our voice to the mix of all of those others that our worship is better and stronger and richer or as we fellowship around coffee and handshakes and, and just seeing each other's faces that the light in our eyes is caught by others and that somehow it is greater together. We ask that you would also hear our prayers. And as we lift our prayers, we ask that you would draw people to a saving knowledge of who you are and to an experience of knowing that you are with us day in and day out and that we would enjoy your fellowship most of all. We ask through our prayers that your will in this world would be revealed and be lived out and that it would conquer all other desires. We pray for those across the world this morning who... Are seeking peace for their homes, or seeking safety, or simply a place to get out of the conflict. And we ask that you would use us and Christians around the world to provide in this time and to provide hope. And we ask that you'd hear our prayers and that you would somehow intervene and, and bring calm and reason and discussion and even peace into the world. We recognize that peace is... Hard won sometimes has to be protected in order to be enjoyed. And so we ask that we'd work through all the complexity of decisions that are made and countries that weigh in, and that our prayers would have something to do with the way that you operate in the world and in the way that you work out your will in this world. God, we lament the the brokenness of our world this week. We lament the fact that uh, there is evil in the world and there are those who are bent on destruction, and we pray that you would restrain all of that. And we know that we need you even more because of the brokenness of this world. Guide us in this time. Help us to learn and to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever noticed how Hollywood seems to have this long fascination with themes that follow unknown people who are suddenly thrust into the limelight? I'll give you a case study for that. Uh, Back in 2018, there was a movie that was nominated for Best Picture, Best Leading Actor, Best Leading Actress, uh, Best Song, Best Supporting Actor, A Star is Born. And it's a great example of this theme. An unknown struggling singer played by Lady Gaga meets a famous country rock star played by Bradley Blue Eyes Cooper. He invites her to his next concert and then surprises her by calling her on stage to sing with him. By the time she finishes singing Shallow, we realize that she will no longer remain in the shadows. She's not only in the deep end, now she's in the spotlight. And her life will be forever changed. Now, veteran movie lovers may remember that the 2018 version of A Star is Born was a remake of the 1976 movie by the same title that starred Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. And the 1976 movie was a remake of a 1954 film by the same title that starred Judy Garland and James Mason. And the 1954 film was a remake of the original that was done in 1937, and I wasn't alive then, so I don't remember who was in that particular movie. But even that one was based on a Broadway play by the same name that preceded all of this stuff. My very simple point is this. Hollywood... And moviegoers are fascinated by themes that follow unknown people who are suddenly thrown into the spotlight with life-changing results. Now, would it surprise you to know that the Bible included themes like this long before any of the Star is Born films were made? Today we're going to trace the story of Simon of Cyrene, another ordinary person who had an extraordinary impact a bystander who's drawn into the spotlight on that very traumatic day when Jesus was led through the streets of Jerusalem, struggling to carry his cross on the way to being crucified for our sins. This message is part six in a series that we've been walking through. If you're new here or, or if you've just found us online, you can go back and you can look on our website at the previous messages that took us to where we are today today. But we've been exploring this ordinary to extraordinary theme for the last several weeks and finding out what happens when the Lord enters the equation. So welcome to North River Church, I'm really glad that you're here and that you're part of the North River Church family today. I want to say hello to everybody who's here in the room, I'm really glad that you're with us today and that we can see each other face to face here. It has been encouraging the last few weeks to see friends who've been away for a while as well as to meet new people here every week who seem to be showing up that we haven't met before. And let me welcome all of those of you who are online today. Thank you for taking the time to, to dial in and to quiet things down in your home and to be a part of the congregation today. Streaming our services has allowed us to expand our outreach, and you've become a part of all of this, and I'm glad that you've taken hold of this opportunity. I am encouraged by the resilience, the creativity, and the adaptability that we have seen in all of you for the past two years. However you are connecting with us, we are one North River Church family, and this is one experience. So make the most of your setting. Pull out your Bible if you have one, download the message notes, crank up the volume, set aside the distractions, pray with us when we pray, sing with us when we sing, and let's dive in and learn together. Today we're going to talk about the other cross-carrier. And here's the big idea that's running through this message. If you're ready to go to sleep and you didn't get enough sleep last night, after this you can tune out. When the cross crashes in on your life, you will never be the same. That's it. When the cross crashes in on your life and invades your life, you will never be the same from that point on. When you understand the impact of the cross, you will never be the same the question behind this morning is, Who was Simon Cyrene, and how does his act of carrying Jesus' cross impact you and me 2,000 years later? We're going to talk about what we can learn from Simon, the other cross-carrier. Five quick lessons. Here's the first one. Cross-carrying was not a trivial matter. The Apostle Paul writes about this in his little letter to the Galatian church, Galatians 5.11. He says, in, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Let me explain that. Crucifixion, death on a cross, did not start with Jesus. Historians believe that the practice was started by the Babylonians centuries earlier. Darius the Mede, the same one that you read about with the account of Daniel in the lion's den, Darius crucified 3,000 of his enemies on one particular day around 600 B.C. It was considered the largest mass crucifixion in history. Crucifixion was then adopted and used by several other countries, including Egypt and Greece, but the Romans are given credit for more or less perfecting the use of the cross. Crucifixion was designed for two purposes. First, for torture. It was designed to inflict maximum pain while prolonging the process of dying. Its subjects were usually beaten and whipped, ensuring great blood loss and physical suffering. Spikes or nails were placed at the base of the hand, right where the wrist meets the hand, where the nerve centers all connect. And they were driven through that in order to produce shock and great trauma. The second purpose was shame. Crucifixion was a form of execution designed to inflict maximum public shame people who were being crucified were stripped, naked, and then hung on that cross. They were hung in public places along roads where many people would walk by as a warning to others. And so this served as a deterrent for lawbreakers or anyone who would stand in the way of the power of Rome. Marcus Tullius Cicero, commonly known as Cicero, he lived from 106 to 43 BC, included his thoughts about the shame of the cross in his writing about the Roman Republic. This is what he said, quote, "...the very word cross should be far removed not only from the person of a Roman citizen but from his thoughts, his eyes, and his ears." for it is not only the actual occurrence of these things or the endurance of them but the mere mention of them that is unworthy of a Roman citizen and a free man unquote all of this is behind the apostle paul's comment about the offense of the cross in galatians 5:11 Now contrast that concept, that simply talking about the cross was something that was to be shunned in public and avoided at all costs because of all the negativity associated with it. Contrast that with how wearing a cross today is at times simply a fashion statement. I have nothing against the practice of wearing a cross as a statement of faith, but in the ancient world, carrying a cross or wearing a cross was anything but trivial. Because the cross, in the minds of a first-sessionary person, only had to do with torture and shame. And this was the world where we find this encounter between Jesus and Simon of Cyrene. So the first lesson is that cross-carrying is not a trivial matter. Here's the second. You never know when you'll you'll be called to carry your cross. Let me say that better. You'll never know when you'll be called to carry your cross. This section in Mark 15 opens with this one simple verse. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on the way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Who was Simon of Cyrene? Simon was an outsider, just arriving in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. He was from Cyrene, a city in North Africa that was 900 miles from Jerusalem. Today it's called Tripoli in Libya. Cyrene was founded around 630 B.C. as a Greek colony. The Greeks had transplanted a number of Jews there to stabilize the community. It was estimated that by the time of Jesus, Cyrene's population was 25% Jewish. For Simon, this was most likely a pilgrimage, a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Jerusalem for the high holy days. It would have taken Simon a month to travel by land and sea. He was, not, he was there to celebrate one of the most important Jewish festivals of the year. And it was every Jewish person's dream to at least once take in this celebration in Jerusalem itself. It does not appear that Simon was aware of the trial or the scourging of Jesus right at that point. He was making his way in, entering the city, and moving in the opposite direction from the trek of Jesus and the other criminals as they carried their crosses out of the city and toward Golgotha's Hill. And then Jesus stumbled. When Jesus stumbled, a Roman soldier picked Simon from the crowd. And you might wonder why. Why Simon of all the people who could have been there that day? None of the biblical texts tell us exactly why. But they do leave us some possible clues. Simon was an outsider a foreigner, heading in the wrong direction. It is possible, even likely, that he was an African and that his color set him apart from the rest of that crowd. If that is the case, then he was a black convert to Judaism, and there were many like him in Libya. In the black church today, Simon is often claimed as the first black African Christian. Dr. Esau Macaulay, in his book, Reading While Black, that I I read a few months ago, wrote, the awful reality is that many of the African people who were enslaved here in the United States were already Christians because Christian faith had been around in Africa much longer than it has been practiced here in the West. Imagine that. But at that moment, he was thrust into the story, and he had most likely not even yet heard of Jesus. Jesus. We never know when we'll be asked to carry our cross. For Simon of Cyrene, this was the starting point of his connection with Jesus. For another person, that point might come much later in their journey toward Christ. Carrying your cross means far more than simply enduring a difficulty that is common to all. Carrying your cross means following Jesus by suffering for His kingdom or for His purposes or for Him directly. This week I read about a Christian missionary in Ukraine who was kidnapped by Russian soldiers. Her name is Valentina, and she works for an organization called Orphans Promise Ministry. So imagine this. Here's a person who is serving in Ukraine by taking care of orphans from this crazy war, and she's taken while serving others in the name of Christ. This is carrying your cross for Jesus. When the cross crashes in on your life, you will never be the same. And I will imagine that, that no matter what the outcome is with her life, she will never be the same. Cross-carrying is not a trivial matter. You never know when you'll be called to carry your cross. Here's the third lesson we learned from Simon. Cross-carrying is unavoidable for Christians. I didn't make that up. Listen to these words from Jesus, Matthew chapter 10. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus taught this long before that final Passover week. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus was sending out his disciples on a training run. They were instructed to go from town to town, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near. And they were also given power to heal the sick throughout all the towns of Israel. At the same time that he was sending them out, Jesus also warned the disciples that he was sending them out as sheep among wolves. In part, Jesus was telling them about how they would bring the gospel to kings and to leaders around the world, but they would also experience rejection and persecution for his name. He told them that students are never above their master, so they would be treated in the same way that Jesus would be treated. Where Jesus would receive well, they would be received well. And when Jesus was rejected, they would be rejected. The challenge to take up their own crosses falls within this context. Embracing the cross was the mission of Jesus, so embracing the cross becomes the mission of his followers. To this day, those who acknowledge Jesus will be acknowledged before his Father in heaven. That promise lingers, but the warning also lingers those who publicly disown Jesus will be disowned before the Father in heaven. Given this challenge, it is no wonder that Peter took his own words of denial so hard. How great that this wasn't the final chapter of the story of Peter and Jesus and their relationship. For Jesus restored Peter and clarified how his own destiny would also include a date with the cross. Cross Cross-carrying, is unavoidable for Christians at some point in time. But here's a great lesson, a positive lesson. Cross-carrying brings you closer to Jesus. Let's look at these verses in Mark 15 that we read a little while ago. Verse 22 says, They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. So picture this. Simon, at the moment that he's heading in the opposite direction of that parade of people carrying their crosses and the soldiers and all of those who cared who were following them, had no idea this was about to happen. He's just traveled 900 miles on a pilgrimage to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. The Passover, of course... Uh, commemorates God's redemption of his people from slavery in Egypt. And suddenly, he gets swept into God's greatest redemptive move of all time. Carrying the cross brought some costs to Simon. He'd come for the Passover celebration, but the moment he touched the cross, an instrument of death, the moment that he touched the blood of a condemned criminal, and at that point, that's who Jesus was in the eyes of Roman law. All of this instantly made him unable to approach the temple. He would be unable to eat and celebrate the Passover with anybody else, and he would be considered unclean and defiled ceremonially according to the traditions of those times. And yet, carrying the cross also allowed him to help Jesus. Think of this. Jesus could carry the weight of the world's sins But in that dark moment, he could not carry the weight of the cross. This is a paradox. It's meant to settle in our minds and make us think about the complexity of all of this. Blood loss and physical suffering had stripped him of the strength to be able to do that task. And so for a few short moments, Jesus was relying on the human physical strength of somebody that he had never met before, never known before, This man, Simon, from Cyrene. Estimates put the weight of the crossbeam at about 100 pounds. So if he was only carrying the crossbeam, as some think, it was 100 pounds. But they also estimate that the weight of the entire cross was about 300 pounds. So if Jesus was carrying the entire cross, it would have weighed about that much. I have a question for you. Have you ever attempted to lift that much weight? Have you ever attempted to lift 300 pounds? About 40 years ago, when I was playing football, I used to do a lot of workouts with weights, and some of them were squats. And the group of guys that I was lifting with, this isn't to brag, it's just to give an example, we would start with 300 pounds on a, on a bar, and we would do sets of 10 squats. And so you would, you would go down as low as you could and then come back up. And at the end of each set, I would try to go a little bit farther. On the 10th rep, I would jump. That's with 300 pounds on my back. And then on the next set, we'd raise that to 320 pounds. And then on the third set, we'd raise it to 340 pounds. And always in the last one, I would jump and try and get off the ground. After doing those 30 reps with more than 300 pounds each time, I was exhausted. And I'd have to sit down and ha- have to uh, get some rest. Now, can you imagine? That would be only about 30 steps worth of carrying 300 pounds. Simon has to carry this weight, that Jesus, with blood loss and beating and exhaustion and no sleep the night before, had started to carry through the streets of Jerusalem and then upward on the hill of Golgotha. This was an impossible task. It was designed to break him down. And Simon, by the time that he finished, had just helped Jesus get ready to do what only Jesus could ever do, That act of carrying the cross brought him closer to Jesus, the Redeemer. I imagine that afterward, after the exhaustion of carrying all that weight, he's lying on the ground, exhausted, and he would have heard a number of things. The hammer hitting the nails as they were pounded into Jesus' hands. And then standing at the cross, he would have heard Jesus forgive those who mocked him. And pondering what all this means, he would have heard Jesus say those words to that one thief, today you will be with me in paradise. I have no doubt that the collection of all of these sounds was the moment when it all sunk in for Simon of Cyrene. He had come to celebrate God's past work of redemption. And because he was chosen from that crowd that day, he had just witnessed God's greatest work of redemption. The paradox is that while He carried Jesus' cross, Jesus had carried Simon's sins, and which weight was greater? When the cross crashes in on your life, you will never be the same. When the understanding of the weight that Jesus was carrying crashes in on your mind, on your heart. You and I are never the same. And so Simon's life was never the same again either. We go back to that one verse, verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on the way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Have you ever wondered why Simon... And both of his sons are mentioned here by name. The Gospels include many people who are impacted by Jesus, but remain nameless. And then Simon of Cyrene shows up, coming from out of the country, a foreigner. And not only is his name mentioned, but both of his sons are mentioned too. This is not by accident. Mark, the writer of this Gospel, expected that his original readers knew these people. And these were were names that were commonly known. It's thought that Mark's gospel was originally written for Christians in Rome and that Simon's influence had reached that far and that his sons had reached that far too. Here are the clues about what happened to Simon after the cross. In Acts chapter 11, we're told that some Christians from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch telling non-Jews about the good of Jesus. Antioch became the second church ever to form the next chapter, chapter 12, verse 25, tells us that Mark went to Antioch with Barnabas and Saul, who would be later known by his surname Paul. And the very next verse in Acts 13:1 reads this way. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. In Latin, that word Niger meant black. In other words, there was a Simon or Simeon who was black, who was listed next to Lucius of Cyrene among the teachers in the church of Antioch. This makes Simon Cyrene an African Gentile who first embraced the God of Israel and the Jewish people, and who then became a Christian at the foot of the cross, and who also became one of the leaders of the first multicultural missionary-sending church in existence, How would Simon of Cyrene become a teacher in the church so quickly? What would he have to offer? Well, he was a direct personal witness of the cross. He had touched and held the cross and carried the cross of Jesus. He had heard the exchange between Jesus and all those who insulted him that day and the exchange between Jesus and the thief and he would have heard the final words of Jesus on that hill that day. Paul adds a note in Romans chapter 16, the final chapter of his letter. He writes, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Rufus is only mentioned twice in the Bible. He was Simon of Cyrene's son, who is now there in Rome, and Paul is writing, greet Rufus. Paul would have known him from those days in the Antioch church when Paul was learning at the feet of Simon Niger, Simon of Cyrene, and Lucius from Cyrene. He would have known that when the cross crashed in on Simon's life, he became an influential, extraordinary leader in the early church. I find this just fascinating. Eugene Peterson, who who wrote the message, wrote this in a recent book called Eat This Book. He says, we open this book and we find that page after page, it takes us off guard, surprises us, and draws us into its reality, pulling us into participation with God on his own terms. So it shouldn't be all that surprising that we will meet people who are unknown and ordinary, who all of a sudden are thrust into the, spot, into the spotlight And their moment of comprehending the cross takes them into a whole new reality. When the cross crashes in on your life, you will never be the same. Here's my question for today. Has the cross and its understanding crashed in on your life? There comes a moment when you realize this is not simply history, when you realize this is not simply trivia, But the Lord has begun to awaken your heart, awaken your mind, awaken your understanding. And at that moment, you realize, perhaps for the first time, that Jesus carried the weight, the crushing heavy weight of your sins to that cross too. And if this is true for you this morning, where in a whole new way this reality is crashing in on your thinking, it's time for you to openly put your faith and trust in Jesus. I wonder if you'd pray with me for just a moment. God, thank you for this example of Simon who didn't expect to be there that day, who didn't ever expect to carry the cross of Jesus, whose life was interrupted, whose celebration was ruined by carrying the cross, and yet whose life was set on a whole new trajectory because of proximity to Jesus. Jesus. It forced him to think about what the cross was and how amazing the results of the cross continue to be. Lord, hear the person in this room or even online this morning and watching from a living room somewhere who may be saying, to me, this was history until this morning. But now I realize that part of what made that cross so heavy for Jesus was he was suffering from my sin." carrying the weight of my sin and leaving it there nailed to that cross. God, hear the person who's saying today, Lord, I realize this was for me. I realize that you took my sins away. Make me new on the inside. Give me the new life that we see in in Simon of Cyrene that gives him a purpose, that gives him a mission, that gives him hope from within, and that transforms something as ugly and as traumatic as the cross into a symbol of hope. Allow that to be my source of strength. Allow Jesus to be my source of hope from this day forward. Help me to discover what it means to follow Jesus today and every day. And Lord, I pray that you will bless the rest of us with a deeper understanding of what Jesus has done for us And fill our thoughts with reminders of those moments when the reality of the cross crashed in on our thinking, on our understanding. And renew within us the desire to live that new life in great appreciation. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here today to sing and to worship and to focus in on Jesus together. For it's in his name that we pray and that we approach you and we look forward to seeing you one day. In the name of Jesus. Hey, we have one final song that we're going to sing on the way out, but thanks for being here and for making this a part of your day.